Okay, good evening, everybody, and welcome. As we continue chapter four, category four. So we're learning different categories where the, each category has its own unique method or own unique, uh, not method, but instructions on what the instruction looks like. We talked about our basic necessities, expert income, and relationships with others. And tonight we're going to talk about what the tougher in doing a mitzvah looks like. And the reason this is such a critical question is because when you talk about doing a mitzvah, let's take the mitzvah lighting Shabbos. So lighting Shabbos candles, do we say Talking means I'm going to wait for Hashem to inspire me to light Shabbos candles. And then I'm going to light Shabbos candles, which, by the way, if you've ever had the opportunity to stand on a street corner asking people if they want to put on filler on a Friday afternoon, a common response you get from people is, I have my own connection to God. I'm going to light the candle, I've got my own connection. I have my own. So, when it comes to doing mitzvahs, what does trusting in Hashem mean? Does that mean a wait to see which mitzvah Hashem inspired you? I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. When it comes to doing business, it's hard for us to know what's the right job. And we pray to Hashem that we're in the right business with the right job. Um, oh, thank you for the reminder, Maisha Mother. Absolutely. So we pray to Hashem that when we're looking for a job, we get the right job. But when it comes to a mitzvah, we're always praying to Hashem that we're doing the right mitzvah. Hashem told us what to do. So Rabbeinu Machaya, he's going to break apart the seed into three parts. Fascinating. Let's see it inside. Here we go. Observing commandment mistrust. In which one has has be tougher. Regarding the fourth category, which is composed. Uh, those matters pertaining to the obligations of the heart and the limbs of the person, which only the person himself gains from them or is harmed by them. And the reason that Rabbein Machai is stressing here, we're only talking about items that affect you, is because in, in section five, category five, we're going to talk about mitzvahs that need another person. Now, obviously, if you want to give tzedakah, and no one is willing to accept your tzedakah. By the way, if you, challenge, if you have that challenge, they're looking to give charity, and no one is willing to take it, let me know. I have some good ideas. But if you have such a situation where you're trying to give tzedakah, if you're trying to teach, and nobody wants to listen to you, if you're trying, so those are stories where you need somebody else. That's going to have its own category, category five, of how to have a talk. So what we talking about like. tonight we're talking about the commandments that are just between you and Hashem. You don't need anybody else 
in this mitzvah. For example, the Zekat Soin, the Chatzila, the Chatzila, the Chalula, the Chatzila, the Shmir, the Shabbat, the Moyadim. Examples of these types of mitzvah are fasting, praying, the Sukh eating, the Sukh washing, the Lul of an Esrit wearing, the Sukh observing Shabbat, the festival. These are items that I don't need anybody else. Even if I'm living on my own island, still would do me. The Himan Aminahaveri is restraining from committing transgression. You don't need somebody else in order not to sin. And in addition to the ones we've mentioned, the Chalplezi Kalavavai, Asher Leitavernel Vulachim. And all the obligations of the heart which do not pertain to anyone else. Loving Hashem, fearing Hashem. And his benefit or harm only affects him, does not affect anyone. Rabbi, your voice isn't coming very clearly. Ah, thank you. Let me see if I can make it even better. Um, oh, I thought it was just me. How is it now? Is it better now? Do you do you hear me better now? Yes, that's much better. Much better. <clears throat> much, much better. better. Much better. Much Dr. better. Malif, thank you for taking the initiative and letting me know. I appreciate you being bold to tell. Okay, good. So we're back. So when we talk about uh, these mitzvahs, which are, it's about you serving Hashem, you don't need somebody else. The proper ways in which to rely upon the Almighty regarding all of these matters is as I will explain. And now look at these words. I'm written a thousand years ago. Look at the humility of Rabbeinu Bachayim. And I ask the Almighty in his mercy to show me the truth in this matter. Could you imagine we're talking about Rabbeinu Bachayim? He's a Rishayim. He's a, a contemporary of Rashi, and yet he's coming to explain to us what Bitochen looks like in mitzvahs between us and Hashem, and he says, I pray to Hashem that I'm on the right path. Hashem is guiding me. And something I'll leave you to think about, there's a few interesting answers, but when it comes to the seven categories of Bitochen, the only category that Rebbein Bachaya asks, he writes clearly, he's saying, I'm asking Hashem for guidance, is this category of you serving Hashem with that, that doesn't affect anyone else. Here he says, Hashem, please guide me to, to say the truth. Okay. The who, so now he's going to break apart. Getting to a mitzvah, there are three steps in order for a mitzvah to be done. What are the three steps, he says? Let's talk about it outside for a second. In order for a mitzvah to be done, you need to choose to do a mitzvah. Okay, so you have an opportunity to eat kosher or non-kosher. And you choose, you say, I want to only eat kosher. Now, that's just a desire. That's the choice. Now we need to talk about, am I going to actually put a plan in place to get it done? Am I going to decide, hey, I want to eat kosher. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to take go to Safeway, buy this food, take it. So we have the choice. Now we have the decision. And those are different. Again, that's the initial inspiration. 
is step one. Step two is saying, wow, let me make this actuality. Step three is eating the food. Now, if we look at these three steps, how many of them are in Hashem's hands? Is it in Hashem? Is it up to Hashem that we should have a desire to do the right thing? No, it's up to us. Thank you, Yeshua. I appreciate your interactive energy here. Is it up to Hashem for us to make a plan to eat kosher? No, it's up to us. Is it up to Hashem for us to eat kosher? Yes. Yeah, because our food could disappear. Could get moldy, you know. Our the, the ability for us to do the deed that only Hashem could ensure happens. So what we're going to learn now is again, there's three parts to the mitzvah. There is the choice, the decision. There is the choice. There is the plan, so to say, and then there is the action. And we're going to discuss that the first two items, making the choice, and then how to do it. Those you don't need to be toughing. You don't need to trust in Hashem. Just do it. You already know what to do. Trusting in Hashem comes to the third section, which is the ability to do the mitzvah. Only Hashem can ensure that you'll be able to do the mitzvah. Let's see that inside. Here we go. It is as follows. Acts of service of God and acts of transgressions are only possible for a person to perform if the following three things come together. Number one, number one is a choice that he makes in his heart and mind. So this is that inspiration. I'd really like to um, fast on Yom Kippur. Number two, that he just to number two that he decides to do that which he chose to do he's like okay i want to fast i'm going i'm making an active resolution i'm going to fast it's not just an inspiration it's a resolution number three is that he makes efforts with his limbs to complete that action and thereby bring it into the realm of action so, for example, let's talk about fasting on Yom Kippur. You need to eat before Yom Kippur to be healthy. You want to make sure you're not in 110-degree weather outside sweating buckets because then you're going to have to actually break your fast. Um, so you want to make sure – so number three, the ability to actually keep your fast is something that's going to be up to Hashem. Another, Let's give another example. Let's give the example of wearing tzitzis. So you could decide – I'm in, wow, I'm inspired. I'd love to have on me the entire day a garment that reminds me of Hashem. Wherever I go, I'm just surrounded with by Hashem. And what an inspiration. Then you're like, no, it's not only an inspiration. This is something I am resolving to do it. I'm going to buy that pair of tzitzis. Well, the third thing is your tzitzis doesn't show up in the mail. You can't do anything about it if you don't have it. Or if it rips, you know, anything could happen. Let's see, let's see that. It, let's continue on. Did we read the three inside? Did, did we read the three steps inside? Yeah, we did. Okay. Say it again. Yeah, we did. Okay, good. 
Regarding those things of the above three things which are not hidden from us, meaning that it is in our power to control them, namely, the choice that a person makes, number one, to either serve God or to transgress with them. And number two, and the decision to do so, both of which are in our control. It would be a mistake and foolish for us to rely on God regarding this. I'm going to rely on God to inspire me to fast on Yom Kippur. I'm going to rely on God to inspire me to want to eat kosher. No, that, that's foolish. This is because the Creator, blessed be He, has left us in control of the choice to either serve Him or to rebel against Him. As it is written in Deuteronomy 30:29, you shall choose life. So you want Hashem to inspire you to do the mitzvah, it's your choice. So when we talk about Hashem, the, how we could only complete something with Hashem's ability. Hashem has told us the ability to choose and try and bring it to fruition is in your hands, is in my hands. What's not in our hands, however, is however, he did not leave us in control of being able to execute the action to its completion, be it an act of service of God or a transgression. Instead, it is dependent on external factors which are beyond our control. These factors will sometimes be available and sometimes won't be. Unfortunately, there were times when Jewish people were in Siberia and they just, no matter how much they tried, there were certain mitzvahs they could not do. So, and then there are people that have these big desires and they wake up one day, they're going to, they're like, I'm going to do this incredible Avera. And I'm so excited about it. They've made the decision to do it and they've uh, put a plan in place and it just doesn't happen. Hashem doesn't bring it to fruition. So the choice and the, and tr- wanting to really re- resolving to make it happen, that is on us. Why? For the Creator, blessed be He, has already commanded us to choose the performance of mitzvahs and to direct ourselves to it through making efforts and making a decision to fulfill them wholeheartedly for the sake of His great name. And He let us know that this is a proper way for us to conduct ourselves again, both in this world and in the world to come. So Hashem has clearly outlined to us our, our plan of action. We're not floating in water here. We don't, we don't know what to do. We do know what to do. Hashem has told us, I want you to fulfill Torah and mitzvahs. However, he's also added, I'm giving you free choice. You're able to make a different, a different decision on what you want, want it. But make a good choice. It's free will, but choose good. And now we're going to continue to say that if you choose good and you resolve to do good and you can't do good, you still did good. We're lucky here. We're lucky people. 
if you choose good, you resolve to do good and you want to do good, it's as if you did good. Right? They say, unfortunately, in work, we say that if you didn't fulfill the, if the job wasn't done, it was not done. What's the expression? There's an expression about that. Um, but basically, if the job's not done, you, if whatever good energy you had doesn't help. But Hashem says that's not true. If you had good energy, you resolved, if the job's not done, it's done. Let's see that inside. Here we are, lucky people. The If the means which make it possible to perform the mitzvah are available to us, and we are able to observe the word of the divine service after first choosing to do it, our reward will be great. We will receive reward for three things. Our choice to observe the mitzvah, our resolve to do it, and for completing the act with our physical limbs. Can you imagine every time you come to show, you're like getting a triple reward here. It's like an ice cream with a cherry on top with sprinkles. You're getting rewarded for choosing to do it, re resolving to come to shul, and actually coming to shul. Wow, that's that's uh, that's getting exciting. If, however, the means with which to perform the mitzvah are withheld with from us, then we will still be rewarded for both the choice we made as well as the decision to do the mitzvah, as we mentioned above. Now, it is interesting, Rabbeinu B'chayi says, the same applies to the punishment for sin as well. So it is, it is, you know, I guess I was going to say important to know. I'm not sure if it's going to be, I'm, I, we don't really stress the negative here, so I'm not going to, I'll take away the word important. But someone that committed to do an Avera and they resolved to do an Avera, they are going to be judged for that as well. The difference between good and bad, though, is in good, if you committed to do a mitzvah and you resolved to do a mitzvah and you didn't do it, it's as if you actually did the mitzvah. In bad, if you committed and resolved to do an Avera, it is not as if you did the Avera. So that's the good news right there. Um, so let's, let's bring this together. What we've said so far is that when it comes to doing a mitzvah that involves just you. We know what we need to do. And trusting in Hashem is only regarding, I'm trusting in Hashem that he'll allow me to do the action of the mitzvah, but not the choice and the resolution. And what we're going to do now, though, is we really need to break apart. Why is it that when it comes to a job, to buying a house, making any worldly decision, we need to trust in Hashem that it's a good choice. And by a mitzvah, we don't need to trust in Hashem that it's a good choice. Why is it? And he's going to give us two reasons. Again, the question is, when it comes to doing a mitzvah, we've said to choose to do a mitzvah and to resolve to do a mitzvah don't need to be talking. But the flip side is to choose to buy a house and resolve to buy a house, you do need Bitoch. Why, why that different? And he's going to break it apart. Service of God and secular affairs. 
the hafresh shebein avodas habayre, which are ma'aseh ha'elam, vinyan habitochem be'lekinif. The reason why there is a difference between how one has trust in the Almighty Blessed Be regarding matters of one's service of the Creator and how one who has trust with regard to all other worldly matters is as follows. And, and he's going to say what's obvious that when it comes to worldly affairs, we don't know what's good. We could make a five year plan and everything looks perfect. And that's not the best plan. I just was speaking to someone on Shabbos and he shared with me how he had an incredible plan. He had spent years on it. And his plan was not the plan that was supposed to be. May we not know. In other words, may we always choose a plan that brings us revealed good. But as far as all other worldly matters are concerned, it has not been revealed to us which are the best and most helpful means with which to obtain our needs. Likewise, it has not been revealed to us which means will cause us loss and bad fortune and which not. We, we don't know if the stock market tomorrow is going to go down in one for one business. We don't know if, if the gold industry today is great and it's going to be like that tomorrow or the you know the uh, when COVID started Zoom when skyrocketing you know we, we don't know what's going to hold value so we don't know which type of work is best for us and which is the most proper means for us to use in our pursuit of our livelihood health and other needs which are for our good. We also do not know which merchandise to buy, which journey to take, or which actions from among the worldly actions we will, we will be successful at when we engage in them. So there's a famous quote, and I'm sure all of you have heard it, but I, um, the quote is, you miss every shot you don't take, right? So if you don't t take any shots in basketball, you're going to miss everything. But if you, if you take shots, you know, some of them will, some of them will start making it in and then you'll get better and better. And hopefully they'll all make it in. Hashem. Now what we're lucky about is we've learned previously in Shahari and he told us how Hashem wants us to try and find the right job for us. But nonetheless, we don't know what's going to be better, what won't be better. Therefore, it follows that regarding worldly matters, we should rely on the Almighty to help us choose the most appropriate means to engage in, as well as to help us complete those actions which are best for us. So that means 
When we talk about trusting in Hashem, when it comes, going back to that example of finding a job or buying a home, you're trusting in Hashem that the me, that the choice you're making to, to get involved in this line of, of uh, work, you're trusting in Hashem that that choice is a good choice. This is provided that we make efforts to engage in those means, and that we pray to him that he should awaken our hearts to choose those means which are the best and most appropriate for us. So we're praying to Hashem to please guide us in the right direction, and then we're going to try and make the choice, resolution, and, and action. So when it comes to mundane or non-spiritual things, the choice itself is unclear. However, this is not the case with the service of the Creator, blessed be He. When we talk about Hashem, this is because He has already informed us the proper ways in which to serve Him, commanded us to choose it, given us the ability to do it, as well as promised us the reward for it. Okay, so what we have clearly here is that imagine your parents tell you that they'd like you to clean the table and you come back and say, you're saying, uh, what, what do you want me to do? Right? That's a little, a little foolish. Now, Sarah, I'm not talking to you. I know, I know you listen, but... Imagine if your parent, if you have these clear instructions, and then you're like, "Hey, I don't know what to do. I'm confused here." Well, we're not confused. Hashem has given us clarity. Therefore, if we're going to turn to Hashem, we're going to pray to Hashem that He guide us in our choices regarding this, or were we to rely on Him to show us the best way for us to serve Him if we lie down in bed and we wait for the bolt of inspiration? We would be mistaken in our offering words of prayer to him, and we would be fools in our reliance on him. Quite strong words, Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar is using. He's not, he's not playing around here. He's being clear. He's saying, if you're going to wait for Hashem to inspire you, to, to, to direct you when it comes to matters that the Torah has clearly guided us, it's foolishness. For he has already informed us the ways in which to serve him, which will help us both in this world and in the world to come. How do we know this? How do I know Hashem has guided us? How do I know our Father has told us what is needed? So we look in the Torah. The Torah says, and the Lord commanded us to perform all these statues to fear the Lord our God for our good all the days. And another verse, Ve'amar, regarding the world to come. How do we know that Hashem has told us what to do? Regarding the reward in the world to come, it says, and it will be for our merit that we guard and observe. So, Hashem has clearly instructed us what to do, and we don't need inspiration to know what choice and resolution we should be making. When it comes to material matters, we do not, we do need that inspiration to know what choice and resolution we should be making. Now, another point, 
another point Rabbeinu Bahai is going to add the difference between spiritual and mundane matters is that the spiritual matters we know will always be good. So if there was a spiritual uh, stock market, we know that putting on tefillin, lighting Shabbos candles, eating kosher, we know we're, we're in the right, it's a, it, we're in the right stocks. In, in worldly matters, we don't know if we're in the right stock market. We don't know if we're in the right uh, area. But Furthermore, when it comes to material matters, in addition to what we said before, that we're not, we're not um, in material matters directed what to do. A second point is that what looks good is not always good. Sometimes the means which appear to be good turn out to be bad. And that which appears to be bad turns out to be good. It could get confusing. However, when it comes to the service of God and the transgressions of his commandments, it is not so. For those things which are either bad and good will never cease to be, nor will they change to be the opposite of what they were until now. And now I'm just going to, I want to talk a moment about some modern day crazes. I'm not going to say what the modern day crazes are, but in our day and age, there are, or, or even if you go back a hundred years ago, as technology was coming around and today with the, the rise of, you know, very liberal thoughts, what we need to know as Jewish people is when the Torah says something is good, that is always going to be good. And it will never be bad. And if the Torah says that something is bad, that will never be good. And firstly, we're lucky to have such clarity. We're lucky to have such focus and not need to not need to swim in a world of of searching. Hashem has guided us. And in addition to that ability to have clarity, we also should take pride in knowing that the Torah is not outdated. The Torah is not history. It's current events. Um, we should be proud of what the Torah tells us to do. Just a thought I thought was important to, to chime in here. Okay, I've been talking for a while. Any questions or comments, concerns? Yeah. So I was a little, you may have seen me preoccupied. What I was, what struck me by what you were saying was, okay, I was trying to think back to, my Hebrew is not so good. So I, I'm focused on trying to read the Hebrew and not really knowing what the English is saying. But my sense is that like when we're davening or even reading tefillin, we're not asking Hashem for some future thing to go well. We're not asking, please, help me do well on uh, uh, the big test tomorrow. Please don't help me pass the bar exam or whatever. Uh, please don't guide me with the right answers. That's not, I mean, we don't, none of the prayers are asking for that sort of thing. Um, it's more, I mean, I'm looking at, again, I'm looking at the, uh, 
I was just quickly looking at it, like Shafrit or, or Tehillim. And, uh, and is that a correct observation? I mean, I'll, I'll put it another way. My wife, when she goes to sleep at night, she uh, prays for, you know, may, may, uh, may God, may you grant my kid. Actually, that's different. You know, may grant, grant me happiness and health and goodness for my children and, and all that. That's not, uh, that's not the same either. I'm, I'm trying to uh, sort of uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to uh, understand the prayers that we have when we're davening prayers prayers to Hashem that are outside of what we're davening versus what you've just described here so uh, so Liesha, let me see if I could repeat the question yeah I repeat I kind the of question babbled. it's half an answer yeah. Um, you're asking it appears that our prayers are very spiritual they're very they're about talking about loving Hashem and go having Mashiach come but asking Hashem that we should have, enough, have food on our table and asking Hashem that we should have a good day at work seemingly is not included in the prayers is that your question? yep Okay. so I do want to talk about that I think it's a phenomenal question um, there are numerous prayers, to the best of my knowledge, that would be focused on business. I'll give you some examples. Number four, if you're looking in a sitter, the fourth blessing of the 19 is Atachonin Ladam Das. You gave a human being, you gave a Jewish person wisdom. So it's asking Hashem to Baruch Hashem Chonin Hadas. Blessed are you, Hashem, who graces us with das, with knowledge. We ask Hashem in the blessing of Baruch Aleinu um, to bless us with wealth, that we should have a good, successful year. Um, so, Rifa'enu, we ask Hashem for health. So I do believe our prayers do include that we should be successful and have money for what we need, etc. But not with specificity. Oh, not with specificity on one level. You're saying telling us which type of job to well, take. Well, I'll put it this way. Yeah. Would it be appropriate for when a person is like davening and they're saying the Amida and let's say they're done with the Amida or maybe it's, it's you know, and they're thinking, um, you know, may, let's say it's a single guy. You know, and he's saying, Hashem, please enable me to meet the my future wife. Tell me what I need. Tell me what I need to do. Tell me what I'm doing wrong that I haven't met my Bashar yet. You know, please make me handsome. Please uh, make me attractive to someone. Um, that's... Um, Um, Where is that included? That's 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 not what Judaism is about, is it? I believe, I believe, it is a very much about. In that in that regard. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um. I, I'm, I'll tell you, and maybe you could help me. I'm a little confused what the question is. 
Okay. If you're if you're asking, are you asking is Judaism into not really into the mundane details of a person's life? Is that the question? Well, I know that it is. So I, I mean, that's that, that's a no-brainer. Of course okay. it is. Okay. So that's not it. Are you feeling that that's what we're learning here? Yeah, um, I was just trying to. Uh, you know, I'll, I don't mean to be flip, but I remember the uh, the joke about the guy in the f flooded river uh, waiting to be uh, rescued. I forgot exactly how it went, but uh, but you know there there were all these opportunities to uh, for the for the guy to be rescued in the flooded river, and he turns them all down because he's waiting for for Hashem to lower the water or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and the joke is, well, I sent a helicopter for you. I mean, what right. more do you want? Yeah. You know, that's, that sort of thing. And so, um, I mean, that's what, that's what came to my mind. So, so tell me, um, just what, tell me, um, you know, Okay. Um, I'm, I'm of the I'm of the I'm of the sense of what I was reading here is if you follow the mitzvot, if you fo follow the Torah, and you follow, you know, um, what's in the Talmud, in the Talmud, and the Gemara, and everything. If if you follow that, you'll you will have a good life. Okay. I mean, I've laid. That's what I was reading here is Hashem. You don't have to have bitachon to do Hashem's mitzvot. There, I mean, I think that was said earlier or something to that effect. You don't need bitachon, correct. You don't need bitachon to do Hashem's mitzvot. Right, because they're, 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 they're Hashem's mitzvot. I mean, what do you right. do? Question them? You can't do that. Um, so just do the mitzvot and... Uh, you know, things things will uh, go your way. Yes, do the mitzvahs. Things will go your way. Um, I, let me give this. I, I'm I'm unclear exactly what's being asked to be. Anyone, honest, anyone else want to give a stab at this, or am I the one that's off in left field? <laughs> No, Maybe I, I, I think it's a really, really good question. I always just presume that it was implied that when I did one kind of prayer, the implication was that I covered everything else. Mm -hmm. So are we talking here about, uh, Moshe, go ahead. No, my thought is, uh, I agree with you, Rabbi, and that is, you know, actually, I'm embarrassed to say my two favorite prayers are, you know, which are talk very, very specifically about what we would like, what we would like to have avoided in our life. This is, you know, right at the beginning of Shachri, towards the very beginning, like near the Modeani, and um, it gets really pretty specific in terms of how we would like our best life to look and what we would like to avoid in it and how we would like 
Hashem's specific help in that. So I think it's okay to, to be very specific in our desires. So if we're talking about spe- uh, being specific... Or, desire, the, or desires right. from Hashem. What's that? No, I, I, so if, if kind of what's being asked here is, can we, does prayer include everything? The answer is yeah. the 19 blessings of the Shemona Esrei were written by the Antje Knesset Sagadola, the men of the Great Assembly, to include everything. Um, yeah. And, and, but I want to add this to Yeshua, there's even a section where you're allowed to add anything you want. In the blessing of Shemako, Lenu, hear our voice, there's a section, a uh, specific period where you're allowed to talk in any language you want and just ask Hashem for anything that you would like. Okay. I guess another aspect of what was going through my head is that in other religions, part of the religious service is a time when a person is praying directly to Hashem in their own words and their own thoughts. And, and, it's, and it's an actual established portion of the religious service that you know, for five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever, you are speaking in, in your own way, in your own thoughts, your own thing. You're not following a script. You're just on your own. And, um, but in Judaism, none of the services that I'm aware of have that, you know, that formally established time where you're just off on your own doing your own thing. Okay. Hey, I'd like to say, firstly, I appreciate everybody kind of bearing with me as I got the question. I'm going to repeat the question. Phenomenal question. Um, but I'd like to actually say, I believe there's a phenomenal answer for that as well. So the question is, you would expect prayer to be something more from the heart. Prayer is from the heart. You'd expect prayer, prayer to be a time where you come and you close your eyes and you talk to God from the heart. Share what's on your mind. Praise God in your own words. And ask God for what you need. Question well stated. And it was like that for many, many years. The idea of a sitter only began after the story of Purim. At the beginning of the, sec- of the era of the Second Temple, that's the first time when there became a structured prayer book. And the creation of the sitter is one that came because there were there was a concern that people were missing actually talking to Hashem about certain needs. In other words, actually creating us the sitter and it's something which would be beautiful to you to actually, for everyone to spend time and, and better understand its creation. The, the structure of the, of the sitter is actually there to assist us, not to diminish our opportunity. Um, and I say that twofold. Number one is to know that the sitter is here to help us and it's all inclusive. So um, if there's something that you want in your life, I'm going to ask you to spend time looking at the 19 blessings and finding which one of those 19 includes that item. 
That's point A. But point B is there is place for a person to close their eyes and and um, ask Hashem or talk to Hashem in their own language. So the uh, Rob, where are the where are the nineteen blessings again? Well, the Shimon Esrei is called eighteen blessings, but there's really nine. Oh, the Shimon Esrei. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of a trick. We want you. We want a kid to do the math and you know nod it up and ask him tough questions. Okay. That's for another time. Why it's eighteen and not nineteen? Why it's, we call it eighteen even if it's nineteen? Okay. It's a good, it's it's a good Jewish joke. It's a good Jewish joke. Hey. Um, yes. So so coming back here when we talk about that Hashem has directed us the choices we need to make and the resolutions we need to make are all clear to us. They're not confusing when it comes to serving Hashem. The resolution, and that's what we'll continue next time, is what we need to trust in Hashem. So, as we conclude this class tonight, we could all go to sleep thinking about our day, making, choosing good for tomorrow, resolving good for tomorrow, and trusting Hashem is going to make that good choice and resolution happen. So thank you all for joining.